All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you know? The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms leads. To the line, Hughes scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic. 
Epic.com. Z-E-P-H-Y-R. Epic.com. Go follow them on all platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram. Go give them a follow. They got a lot of fun stuff going on. They have got you covered for all of your trading card needs. Now, our favorite part about Zephyr Epic is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... All the way from Delta, British Columbia, of course, to Dildo, Newfoundland. You did not just say that. Is that a real place? Okay. 1, Every episode, you come out here with some crazy name for some place in Newfoundland, and you just say, yeah, Newfoundland's got a lot of places, and I just believe you every time. I have not once fact-checked you. Yeah. You're telling me the truth with all of these names that you've said. Yeah, this one, uh, this has got some, I got some backstory to Dildo here. There's 1,234 people there. So, a nice, nice little town. And you know who the mayor of this, of Dildo is? I don't want to say. It's an honorary mayor. Jimmy Kimmel is the honorary mayor You're of joking. Dildo, N- Newfoundland. You're joking. Nope. You want to know what their motto is, too? The city motto of Dildo? <laughs> Our name will never change. Yeah. (laughs) That's their motto. Say it again. Our name will never change. Dildo Newfoundland. Oh my gosh. Okay. What a, what a horrific start for us. We're still in an ad read technically. So not for long. (laughs) So Zephyr Zephyr Epic ships free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from Delta, British Columbia to Dildo Newfoundland. Got it. And anywhere else. Canada if you're out wide. there in Dildo and you're looking for some cards, stop. Zephyr Epic. Just stop. Anywhere. Canada wide. Uh, Zephyr Epic. Okay? So go check them out. Uh, any order over $50. Remember where it gets its name. Promo code Hockey Season. It's capital a, H. Capital S. All one word. In ro- rowboats on the side of rowboats, there's a part on the where you tuck in the oars. That's called the Dildo of a boat. Are you it's, sure? It's named after that. What's named after that? The city or a town. Okay. Okay, are we done? We're done with the Zephyr Epic talk? There's also Dildo Island, oh which is... Oh, my gosh. Just enough. Enough. It's just, it's is off that the, in Canada? It's off the coast, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, they're in Newfoundland. I told you, once I got the once I got the Newfoundland cities in here. All right. Oh, okay, we're also delivered to you. Cross that one off the list. Yeah, please do. Also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. <laughs> Use promo code CONVODD, CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. We are having an extra immature start to this show. You know what DoorDash has, too? Have you seen this on DoorDash, the Double Dash? Have you seen this? No. So you order whatever you get your, uh, let's see, you get your pasta more or whatever you get, or that's closed down. But anyways, you're getting your Boston pizza, your Alfredo from Boston pizza oh boy. or whatever. And then the double dash option, you can get yourself a little snack from 7-Eleven or, or one of these on the run uh, in these little gas stations it's called a double dash for, you know, no delivery, extra charge there. You get double dash, double down. You pick up a couple monsters, a couple power aids for the morning after. I did that on the weekend because I knew... It's going to be having some drinks, so I needed some Gatorade for the night. Yeah, you had yourself a nice little vacation. Do you want to uh, share with the listeners how your vacation went back yeah. home? Yeah, it was great. Went to the uh, Clippers game on Friday night. Clippers had a six foot eight goalie. Yes. Watched uh, this Matthew Wood kid again. 
I tell you, I've seen him twice in person, and he has not looked like a top ten pick. Coquitlam Express shut him down when we watched. Yeah, and I, you know, I should like the kid. He went to the same, you know, he goes to the same high school He's that also I went 16. to. Sure, but I've seen him twice in the BCHL. He's a two point per game player, goal game guy. I haven't seen anything yet in the two in person watches that I've had. A couple bad games for him, I guess. The six foot eight goalie threw him off. The, yeah, the Clippers goalie is really good. Yeah, he was good. Like we've watched him. He's good. He's tall. Yep. Very tall. Very tall goaltender. Good. Had a good night and uh, saw some friends, saw some family. Came back uh, late Sunday night. A couple casino winnings for you. Well, yeah, I was up five bucks, but I was down 300 at one point. So that was, you know, being up five at the end of that night. Yeah, I'll take that. I dub. Came, out of the, came out of the bathroom after taking a piss real quick and come out there. And I don't know if it was the liquor or something about the, the smell in the casino, but something drew my eyes to my left. And I saw this huge screen and it said... I don't know what it said. It said Diamond Fantasies or something. And I look over there. I said, oh, and it was about one thirty in the morning at this point. And I walked in. I was like, okay, I'm down 300. You know, we just try and get our way up a little bit. And then it's like, boom, 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 four bonuses in a row. I'm hitting bonuses while in the bonus. I end up getting like 32 free spins or something. And it's just rolling and rolling. I get to like 400 and something. And then I was like, okay. I, I'm I'm up now. I'm just gonna keep going until I get to like a nice round even number. And it came out at uh, four oh five. Walked out of there with four oh five. So technically, I lost five dollars because the freaking ATM fee at the casino four ninety nine to use the I ATM. Know. It's ridiculous. I used it twice. I did two different two hundred dollar pullouts. So that's you know four ninety nine times two nine ninety eight. Had to pull that out twice or did that. So I came out at four oh five. So I lost about four dollars ninety eight cents. But I spent like three hours there. So. All in all, I'd take it as a win. Sounds like a also good bought a couple of triple crown and gingers that were like <laughs> freaking twenty eight bucks each in their own. So those Holy did smokes. so definitely lost some money by the end of the night. But it was great. It was great to uh, see some of my friends on the island and uh, yeah, come out uh, come out a winner if you ask me. That's fantastic. We held down the fort while you were gone, and while you were gone, Aiden McDonough chose to go back to school. We'll talk about that in your prospect report at the end of the show. We've got a busy show, folks. We're going to recap the Canuck Central Division road trip. Talk about the three losses that they have left on the season to give before they're basically out of playoff contention. We're going to talk about JT Miller's comments post game. We're going to talk about Connor Garland and Bruce Boudreaux's comments about Garland's play post game. Obviously, we'll have our poll question. We'll talk more about Connor Garland because we had a little disagreement on the way here. And then we'll talk about the GM meetings, which just wrapped up in Florida today. LTIR was one of the topics discussed. So we'll talk about all that on the show. Chris, let's start with the Central Division road trip because all in all, Five of a possible eight points for the Vancouver Canucks, playing against some very good Central Division teams. Among them, the Colorado Avalanche, Minnesota Wild, and of course the St. Louis Blues. What did you think of this road trip as a whole? Man, I th- you had a lot of chance uh, going into St. Louis there to come out of this looking like a real good road trip. Uh, all in all, it's you know you, you probably take two one and one you know on eighty percent of your road trips, but the Canucks need to somehow get more points in this if they want to continue to be in a playoff push and. It's crazy because they like coming out of it. They were two zero and one going into the game against St. Louis, and one loss, one regulation loss, almost ruins the road trip. Where it's like you know they were just starting to push back, and there's still an opportunity for it. The saying not the the playoff hopes aren't completely out of reach, but a win would have made a huge difference there. But I thought they played some good hockey through and through. Obviously, started the road trip off really good with a couple of tough opponents there. Uh, followed that up with a really good game against Dallas. Like I, that, that was excellent watching, you know, there was a lot of players that you could have picked out uh, of players that I thought were impressive. Like Vasily Pod Colson has had a heck of a road trip here. Mm-hmm. I know he's not finding the score sheet a ton, but 
he's playing good hockey. You could even see like some of these bottom six lines that don't look like they're going to be very good. I mean, we're we were talking about you know what the, what the bottom six lines looking like with Patan, Chase on Pod Coles and Lamica. Like the, the, it doesn't look like big names on your bottom six, but I thought they held their own pretty well throughout the entirety of the road trip. And you're getting some some crucial scoring here. Like Elias Pettersson had a great night, obviously scoring against Dallas there. That was good to see. A couple of those goals were excellent. I mean, obviously the the second one was the ridiculous one where he just like sniped it through the guy just like dangles around the stick. I think Mike McKenna called it the nicest goalie scene or something like that over on daily Faceoff. But to see a guy like Patterson come alive and, and play well, I, I also noticed this. Like I, I rewatched uh, the Dallas game um, after watching it the first time. Cause I didn't get fully locked in the first time I was at a party with some friends uh, birthday party for a one-year-old. So it wasn't crazy, uh, but you know, like I wasn't paying attention. I had kids running around. There was train tracks everywhere. Anyways, so I watched it again the night after, and I was, I was thinking, remember how, you know, we've been talking about Elias Pettersson maybe playing like center defensively? He totally is. Like Brock or Bo Horvat's out there playing the point guy. Yep. Pettersson's playing down low and being the defensive guy, the lowest set, like lowest forward defending. He's playing like a center. I think that's excellent. It's, it's nice to kind of, you know, we've been talking about it for a while. It feels like they really shifted into it. It might have happened like here and there before, but rewatching the game, that was something I just kept picking up was like Pettersson is playing center. Like he was doing on the lotto line, he's just not taking the face-offs. Horvat's taking the face-offs, so which is the setup you want. Right? I think so too. And and now then you have you know you have Brock Besser and Bo Horvat streaking out of the zone together. It makes for a really good setup. I like to play and and like I said from re- rewatching the game, the two things that stuck out was Pedersen playing that position and playing it well, and Vasily Podkolzin. I really thought was good on Saturday night. Like. I thought he was an excellent. It was another excellent night for him. I'm hoping the points start to come with him, or potentially if we do see some shifts in the lineups, that you know maybe Pod Colson gets a chance to play with some, I guess, better line mates in the next couple weeks here. Because I think he's playing really good hockey. Before we continue with the road trip talk, I want to pose a question to you that was posed to me in the mailbag that I tried to answer. In a redraft, if you get to pick for Matt Boldy, Cole Caulfield, and Vasily Pod Colson, and you were the Vancouver Canucks drafting tenth overall. Who are you taking? You can have some time to think about that. Look up any sort of stats you need to look up. You Ugh. figure it out. You do whatever you need to do because I'll talk about it first. Essentially, Matt Boldy, who was drafted by the Wild, he spent time in the AHL. Last year, he signed uh, after his NCAA season was over, finished the year in the AHL, played some AHL games this year as well. But through 33 games with Minnesota this year, he's got 12 goals and 12 assists. Obviously, you know what happened with Caulfield, played in the playoffs, had a good showing in the playoffs last year, had a bit of a slow start this year, but right now he's at 14 goals and 19 assists through 51 games, and obviously Pod Colson uh, has less points than all of those guys, but does bring a little bit more defensively. Uh, You know, we're kind of seeing him progress into that player that you can play in any situation, and You'd like to see him used in more situations. I know you and I are clamoring for this every week, it seems like, that we're saying he should be on the power play and the penalty kill. Regardless, that's kind of the lay of the land and how I set it up. I think it's too early to go out and say, oh, they should have taken this guy or in a redraft, I take this guy. It's just just too early. But I think right now, there can be a case made for Matt Boldy for sure. Yeah, I mean... I know this pains you to say because no, I, no, Matt Bold. I've had Matt Boldy on the show. I haven't had Vasily Pod Coles on the show. Matt Boldy's really friend of the show. Point. That's a really good point. I think, uh, like, I, I have a t- I have time for the argument for Matt Boldy. Of course, I just think that the position that he's been put into in Minnesota is a lot better than the position that Pod Coles is playing into. What's yep. he playing like almost sixteen minutes a night, getting time on the power play unit, like. 
he, he's had a really good start. Uh, you mentioned, was it 33 games at 24 points, 33 yeah. games? Yeah. So yeah, really good start for him, of course. And I mean, that's that's great. It's just his spot that he's put into is a lot different than the one that Pod Colson's put into offensively. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say for sure it's Matt Boldy. I think that it's not for sure Vasily Pod Colson either. But I, I think you're happy as the Canucks seeing what Pod Colson's been able to do and what he looks like he might project to. The things that you're worried about with him have shown well so far this year and the things defensively like of late have looked really good and you've seen stretches of games where you're getting the best of a silly pod Colson but I you know I watch pod Colson every single game this year I haven't seen Matt Boldy every single game this year so I can't make it for sure statement but I just think that you know pod Colson's not on the power play he's got all 10 of his goals at even strength the it's it's tough for me to say that Boldy would be the better player. You just look at the stats and you're like, oh, I, I'd take Boldy. He's got 24 points over 33 games. Yeah. But I, I don't see what he plays like and it's too, on a night and it's tonight. too early to say, right? That's the main thing is that it's just too early to say. Okay. Well, close I, I'm out. happy with Pod Coles. No, I'll keep that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I said. I said I said Boldy is the only one that I think there's a real case for. And I think you keep You don't Pod think Coles Caulfield's the even in the... In no, the... I don't think you redraft Caulfield. Mm-hmm. In terms of what the Canucks need... And I mean, this kind of goes into another conversation we're going to have about Connor Garland later about team needs and stuff. Okay. Anyways, uh, we want to close it out here with the Central Division road trip by talking about the last game of that road trip because the Vancouver Canucks, we're going to put this out on Tuesday. The Vancouver Canucks are going to be in action against St. Louis Blues, the same St. Louis Blues that they lost to in their final game of the road trip Wednesday night at Rogers Arena. So we'd like to talk about that Blues game, Chris. The decision to start Yaroslav Halak, it was faced with a lot of scrutiny, but I got to be honest with you, I think he was fine in that game. And I think Boudreaux even said the same thing, that he doesn't blame Halak on put any of those goals on Halak. I think maybe there was one, maybe the one goal that you'd like to see him handle a little bit better. And I, I, I kind of think it might be that third goal with Tarasenko where mm-hmm. the puck looked like it was going wide and he redirected it right back out in front. You know, I, I'm sure that's something he'd like to have back. But again... It's Vlad Tarasenko shooting the shot, and it's not an easy one to stop. So I don't know if I really blame Halak that much. Speaking of, Tarasenko's empty netter. You see him go bar down from the other side of the blue yeah, line? that was so funny. <laughs> was wild. Did not feather that in at all. No. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. The first one was tough. Tough bounce, uh, bouncing puck in, in the crease and everything. Yeah. Like, that was a tough one. And No, I don't put too much of it on Halak either. I, I still find the decision a little interesting to go with that. And I think, was the reasoning behind it that they didn't want to give St. Louis the same goalie? Like... To yeah. get a look on him? Yeah, that was part of it. I don't uh, buy the other that. part of it was Halak played so well against Colorado and they didn't want to say, okay, you're all great game. Now take a month off and we'll right. get you in some other time. I just found it kind of interesting. Like, I, I feel pretty confident, you know, even if you're playing them back to back, look what happened when Vegas had to play back to back against Demko in the playoffs, right? Like, it's not like they were able to solve him from game to game. He was just able to shut them down. So uh, I found it a little bit of an interesting decision. But yeah, you can't blame Halak for that game, I don't think. I thought he was fine like he was he played good enough to get a win if the Canucks were able to back it up but it just feels like so often when this Canucks team gets let down a lot of it is just because they put up one goal in a game and it's like man like you can't win games when you score one goal I don't care how good your goaltending or defense has been you got to score more than once and it just felt like first two periods that it wasn't really there for the Canucks offensively I didn't uh, I didn't really like the way that they played in the first 40 even though it felt like it wasn't the energy level it was just kind of the execution I think like I thought- I, I thought the energy level like was there. I just didn't think that they were able to, you know, I, I feel like I say this a lot. I said this a lot in the start of the season. They just couldn't get three passes together. That's fair. I thought they were actually pretty good in the second. 
Like they had like seventeen shots or something like that in yeah. the second period. I thought they were pretty good in the second, the first. Well, and third I thought they were time. outside though. They were so outside in the yeah, second that's period. Fair. Where that's I was fair. like, I'd like like you're right, seventeen shots. I think that's good. But it's like you got to not shoot it at the crest of the goalie, right? And even even if you're gonna get the shot, like if you're gonna fire a million shots, do the thing where like you you keep it on the ice and just like force a rebound, right? Because yeah. it felt like a lot of the shots were either. Like you said, kind of just right into the chest. And, and Huso, is that his name yeah, in that there? Billy Huso. He's my fantasy goalie, so it shows how much I know about fantasy. But he's, uh, yeah, I just felt like it was a pretty easy first 40 minutes for him. And, and even like a little bit of a push in the third. But to me, it, was, it, was, it wasn't it was really about the effort. Like, I didn't hate the effort. I, I just thought that there was something about not being able to execute that game that kind of has been a problem for the Canucks and really was something that shined in the game on Monday night. JT Miller had some comments post-game really took it upon himself to kind of say that I wasn't good enough tonight. And especially on that third goal, this is what he had to say. Uh, that was one where it looked like Miller lost his assignment a bit, and he was, he was you know, bang on with his description of it. Oh, definitely look in the mirror for myself. I don't think I brought it today. I just kind of was, uh, wasn't as gauged as I needed to be for some reason. I got a little tired, but um, you know, I definitely take some of the onus on myself and I leave, leave a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing is uh, being, being mentally tough. Um, there's no easy games. Everybody's fighting for something right now. And, uh, you know, physically, guys around the league are going through a lot of the same stuff. So you got to be mentally tough. And whoever wants it more typically wins the game. And, you know, they had a better start than we did. And then, you know, we just kind of got off on the wrong foot in the third there, obviously. With, uh, so, like I said, we start the shift. You want to have good momentum going the other way. And we did the exact opposite. So. Yeah, you know, I actually had a good play before that, good stick on him, and then I just pucked watch for one second. Uh, I know he's over there. I really do. I was just being stubborn, and you know, Butchie made, Bushnevich uh, made a really nice pass over there. But I was all it takes is one second with the good players, and just watch the puck for a little too long. It's in the back of the net. So some very candid comments from JT Miller. Also, that's the only way we'll ever get um, Thomas Drance on the show. That. Yeah. And, of course, our button. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drant. Never answers our calls. But no. JT Miller's comments. Interesting. Freaking, I got Drant's freaking texting me on the weekend here after he drops some McDonald's. Is your weekend ruined? No, it's not freaking ruined, Drant's. I knew he wasn't going back to school anyways. He or that he was going. <laughs> Sorry, I knew that he was going back. Drant's was taunting me you while nowhere. you were on vacation? Yeah, on the weekend. Is your, is your vacation ruined? Shut up, Drant's. <laughs> freaking piss me off on the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, so, I was trying to extra clip him on the show on Monday. I did for him. Oh yeah, yeah. All my clips were extra with him. I got the I got a bank now of Durant saying stuff. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'll send it. A, we'll get a whole board now here moving forward. Oh wow, whole board of Durant clips. We put on some music for Harmon, by the way. Uh, stay tuned for that. The next time Harmon's on the show, we have some uh, intro music on the board for Harmon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Okay, we're gonna spend all this money. We better get some of these <laughs> some music in here. We'll break down these JT Miller comments because you know he did take the onus on himself. Did say that he needs to be better. What do you make of his comments? Because to me, Chris, this looks like not only a guy who is a leader because of the stuff he says, all that sort of stuff and stuff he does on the ice. Sure, but there was heat on Connor Garland after this game, and look. I'm sure it's not lost on JT Miller that Connor Garland got benched. His line mate got benched. And I'm sure it's also not lost that Garland was probably going to take some criticism publicly from Bruce Boudreaux, which, by the way, he did. To me, 
this goes far beyond Miller just taking the ownership himself and saying, I need to be better, all that sort of stuff. He, he mentioned that the team needs to be better, but I also think this is almost him wanting to have people talk about him more than Garland. He wanted to take some heat off Garland, I think. Because, look, JT Miller's been here for two years now. He knows what Canadian market's like. He knows as soon as Boudreaux says anything about Garland, which he did, that it's going to make headlines. And if you look around, to me right now, it looks about equal between the headlines of Miller saying that he needs to be better and that he was puck-watching on one goal and the headline that Connor Garland is in Bruce Boudreaux's doghouse right now. Yeah, no, I think I think you're bang on with that too. I think it's it's another another indication, like another just jaw well done of JT Miller taking leadership again, right? I know that everyone wants to have this talk, conversation about him and the captaincy and all this stuff. It's like it's great to have Miller be an assistant captain in this role and be able to understand what the market is going to do to 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 quotes like this, right? And this. Bruce Boudreaux gets it. He's been around the league. I think he knows what he's doing a little bit too. Like this is going to light a fire under Garland. And I don't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him finally, you know, break this scoreless drought that he's on right now and actually get something like on Wednesday. This is just how these things typically work. And it's not like Garland's been playing bad. Like exactly. There's, there's been some, some egregious errors over the past couple games that, you know, have resulted in goals the other direction. Uh, but for the most part, like we haven't seen a lot of that all season. That's not a consistent trait of Connor Garland's game. He does a lot more good things than he does bad things at five on five in my eyes. And just as a player on this team, I think he brings a lot. So, yeah, I, I you know give props to JT Miller for stepping up here because you, you mentioned it. Like if he doesn't go out and say that, you know, that, that there's a lot of this on him. We saw a lot of headlines already with with Connor Garland's name in it, but we would have seen even more if Miller doesn't step up and say something there. So props for him for being a, you know, Good leader and recognizing the situation. Yep, absolutely. And it's just something I wanted to point out because uh, I I think, you know, Miller obviously would never admit that publicly that he did that to take heat off Garland. But I think subconsciously uh, that was part of the reason he did that. So we don't have audio of Boudreaux talking because I recorded it on my phone and it sounded very, very bad. But this is what he had to say about Connor Garland postgame. He didn't play very well, and I need more out of him. I think he's pressing really hard to score because he hasn't scored in a while, but the idea is you can't do it all by yourself when you're pressing. You've got to use your teammates, and I think he could have passed the puck. He carried it a little too much, but he was one of the forwards I didn't think had a very good game tonight. That from Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux. So again, like we just said, Connor Garland, kind of the guy that Boudreaux takes aim at, but I did want to also mention later on, Boudreaux was asked about Bo Horvat. And he said, look, I'm not going to pinpoint forwards. A lot of our forwards had bad games tonight. And, and listen, Garland does need to score. He's sure. 15 games now without a goal. You know, you're making $5 million, just under $5 million. You can't go 15 games without scoring. That's that's a very good part of the season. That's, you know, that's a good chunk of the season. Basically a fifth of the season without a goal. You cannot go that long without it. But it's... Uh, to me, it's not like he's been inactive. Like I'm looking at the the last 15 games here, I'm seeing he had eight shots on net one game. He had five shots on net a couple times in those games. It's not. This is a situation where things are just not bouncing his way. We've seen him hit the post over that time quite a bit, and like he's driving play pretty good offensively, and still a guy at five on five who's near the top of the Vancouver Canucks for scoring at five on five. So yeah, he's not getting goals and he's not getting in the 15. It looks bad, right? Like, don't get me wrong. That looks bad. And you need to be better than that. If you're playing in a situation like Connor Garland does, like if, if a silly pod Colson is getting the line mates and, and opportunities that Connor Garland's got over the past 15 games, probably has a goal, 
you know, at least one goal over his fast 15, but it's got to be time for Connor Garland to break out of this. You can't get to 20 games in a row without a goal. You literally can't. Like, you know, this is a situation where Garland's name is obviously going to be in conversations in the offseason about a guy who might be getting moved out here because, listen, if you're going to score whatever he's going to kind of finish the season with, maybe around just 45-ish points, like, you know, I can see him getting... 11 points over the final 14, something like that, or even less than that if he stays on this cold streak here. He is a guy who could very easily end up being moved out because teams like him, and, and Connor Garland has really good analytics too, right? Like his his advanced statistics, and, and when they do this whole, uh, is it Dom LeCision's got his, yep. uh, I said his name really good there too, he's got his whole market value, like Garland's still worth something in like $7.2 million or something on a lot of teams just because what he does driving play. So, He's. It is going to be really interesting to see what happens with with Garland in the off season, where it he's he's got like a good locked up contract for four more years, but he's also still very much like in trade conversations, and I think he kind of has to be with the situation that the Canucks are in. But I still think one of the better players at five on five, and it just seems like Connor Garland doesn't ever look out of place with any line mates that he's like playing with, and. He can play with small guys like Huglander. He can play with big guys like Pearson and Miller. Like I, I, I just I think there's a lot of versatility to Garland's game. He's also the type of player that I want to see in the playoffs. When you play against Connor Garland in 60 minutes, how, how early in the season? Think about how much. And it's weird. Maybe he needs to do this more because do you not think that earlier in the first half of the year he was like pissing people off a lot? I don't know if I've seen that as much even over this past 15 game stretch. Is he pissing guys off and drawing as many penalties as he was before? He's still doing it to a degree, but not like he was when he first got here. And it was like every night, you know, the give a bleep meter was it was JT Miller a lot of nights. And if JT Miller wasn't there to step up, it felt like Garland was the guy dragging people into the fight. Maybe he's got to get to that a little bit more, but I want to see that in a seven game series. Like how pissed off is a team going up against a Connor Garland when you're in game six and game seven of a playoff series, like that's when I think he's going to have even more value to a team. And, you know, if you go off of some of the models, he's already got more value than what he's paid for right now. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is he's somebody that does have more value than what you're seeing on the surface, according to a lot of different uh, analytics, which is something we're going to talk about on the other side. We'll get to more about Connor Garland. And then we've got more stuff as well. When we come back, we'll get to the bold question. Then we'll jump to more. Connor Garland talk. Sound good? Sure. Okay. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. And before we go any further into the episode, want to give a shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there, the jerk face 9,000, the pink can something good about those cans there, parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta. And a massive thank you to parallel 49 brewing company for supporting Canucks conversation. Folks, if you want to advertise with us, shoot us a message. You know what? On Twitter at Quadrelli at Chris Faber. Yeah. 39. DM, DM at Quadrelli. If you're a pants company, cause you're wearing shorts today. I am. Way too cold for a person like you to be wearing shorts. No, nope. What's that supposed to mean, a person like me? Yo, you people, you skinny people. You can't be coming out here wearing shorts. You must be freezing outside. No, I was okay, actually. It's a cold day outside. No, it's a, it's, it's nice like in the sun. It's 11 degrees. That's so good for you to wear shorts? Yeah. I'm surprised, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's good enough. I'm still wearing t-shirts and 
Nothing I like getting a little breeze it. in the legs. I was saying, I tell it, man, okay, so I, you know, I had a nice vacation, went out a couple nights, and the next mornings after, trying to beat the hangovers, get outside, a little crisp air on the on the bare skin, not like I was naked, I was Excuse wearing, Excuse me? just like on, you know what I'm saying, on your forearms, you get a little, that, a little bit on the face. Were little, you in a town in Newfoundland when you did that? No, I wasn't out in Dildo, I was out in, I was in Nanaimo, Be good BC country, BC country down on the island. I was nice. living living good. Went out to uh, Lake Cowichan, actually. Nice uh, little spot out there. Cobble Hill, kind of that region for people who know the island. Very nice. Yep. Had a, went to a one-year-old's birthday. Some family and friends there. that, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Lots did, of trains, like I was saying. What did you get? Did you get them a present? Yeah, I got him uh, I got him a Buzz Lightyear stuffy. Nice. And he kissed it on the mouth when he pulled it out of the bag, so I think he likes it. I, th- I think that's a good indication. Yeah, and I was thinking, I wouldn't be kissing that. I just got it out of Walmart. Lots of hands probably touching it in there. I don't know, but he's one. He's fine. Yeah, babies are built for that. Yeah, they love their train. Just seen the train track we had set up. I was one. I was basically just me and like the a couple of one and two, three year olds there. Have you seen that meme that's like guys will turn four or three or whatever, and they will pick either trains, dinosaurs, trucks. I can't remember. Excavators, like the, these little kids, they love their excavators. Yeah, 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 and and base their whole personality off of it. What were you? Yeah. I was dinosaurs. I was. Big I think into I was more just right into, right into hockey, though. I think that might be the last one. Sports. You know what I watched recently? And, and we'll get back to the hockey talk in a second. I watched recently a 3D audio of what a dinosaur would have a T Rex would have actually sounded like, mm-hmm. and scientists determined that they wouldn't have actually roared, like they wouldn't have made like a. A, a roar like you hear in Jurassic Park. Right. It would be like a, like a low hum, but it would be so loud that it would make the ground shake, and you'd, you'd hear it coming before you see it, and mm. be terrifying. But I listened to it, uh, the 3D audio. You should, people, if you're listening to this, after you're done listening to the episode, of course, go on YouTube, you look up T-Rex actual noise, and you wear some headphones, and whoa, sense chills down your spine, man. You I can tell do you. it now if you want. You can come back to the pod later. Go do this 3D dinosaur or whatever thing. Should we here. play it on the pod? No, we can't play it on the pod. Okay. Well, no, we can stay on the pod here. Let's get back to the poll questionnaire. You're uh, freaking hinky dinky. You're all over the freaking map now and losing it. This is what happens when you base your personality on dinosaurs when you're four. That's okay. You, you were dinosaur. Did you you like dinosaurs? When yeah, you- I, I was into trains too, but like dinosaurs were my thing. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Well, uh, was the land before time before your time? Because that was it a good was, one. The Land I, Before Time was oh, before my time. That was a good show when I was growing up. Though. They had like seven movies or so. They probably had more than that. But I remember like. I watched one of them. Oh, they were good. I, I remember those were quality movies back in the day. I, what are the, I watched a lot of. Uh, I saw Paw Patrol was rolling around. That's still big. That they, Those Paw Patrol folks, I hear they're from Vancouver. They must be billionaires. Oh, my gosh. Paw Patrol is oh, so popular. They have to be like the one of the richest people, one of the richest shows and and like entertainment rounded out things and there i heard uh, maybe this uh, this is what people were telling me because they they got all their kids like oh yeah they're from vancouver the writers or whatever or it's dumb and done in vancouver or something i don't Man, know how do we become writers on paw patrol oh dude come on just I don't know. pivot from Canucks Army to Paw Patrol. That's where the money is, man. Yeah, the money ain't here. That's for sure. <laughs> it's all in Harm's pocket. Yeah, all in Harm's pocket. Should I play Harmon's intro? I think I should. No, let's wait for him. Okay, we'll save it for him. Okay, our episode two fifty. Two fifty, Chris. Yeah. Poll question. Two fifty. Is that uh, we should have maybe celebrated a little bit? Two fifty feels like a big number. It is a right? big number. It's a big, a big round, nice round number. number. Yeah. Humans love round numbers. Yeah, it's like a quarter of a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Yes. Yeah. 
don't know why that took me a second. Oh, well, yeah. You and your math, you, you, good luck. Oh, yeah. You don't know how much a quarter is even worth. How many cents are in a quarter? <laughs> Shut up. I use my debit card. <laughs> What's a quarter? I'm okay. watching today. You had a stack of loonies out there paying for... Yeah, pan- I paid in nickels. Panacook. <laughs> okay. Episode 250 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Folks, go to atlasgds.com and use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order. These are the best fresh pork rinds, and they come straight from your air fryer or your microwave. Same day shipping, if you same day delivery. Yeah. Actually, almost said shipping. Same day delivery if you order before three p.m. So go check them out. AtlasGDS.com. Put them to the yourself. test. Two fifty five. Put it in order. See if they're there by the end of the night. Yeah. Put them. Put give them. Give them something. I'm sure they'll love hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Just make it as difficult as possible on the two fifty eight. Go order yourself some pop rinds. Uh, I'm partial to the bacon one, but people enjoy them in different in many different ways. So go check them out. Uh, the pop rinds at atlasgds.com. Tell us what you're putting on them too. Yeah, because I'd we've love heard, to hear it. I think there's something else aside from popcorn seasoning that's got to be good. Vinegar. I, I've heard vinegar. People vinegar. We've heard. I did a little bit of the steak spice. Yeah, that and? was good too. Mm. All right. So use promo code CC15. A little bit of that pink salt too. That's what you need. What's that? Himalayan? Himalayan. Pink. Yeah, yeah, that's the good stuff right there. Yeah. So atlasgds.com. Promo Costco code, brand. Promo code CC15. Our question today. Or the barbecue chicken. You ever use that seasoning? That's one of my favorite go-tos too. Barbecue chicken one. Cool, man. That big bright orange one. I had that last night with uh, some just with chicken. Okay. Our poll question today. How many NHL games will Jack Rathbone play out in the final 14 games of the season for the Vancouver Canucks? Chris, your answer, or should I go over what everybody said first? Well, give us the options first. I'll okay. tell you which one I'm feeling. So zero to two, three to five, six or more, and as always, I'm angry. You know what? I know they want to see him. I want to get him in here. I think he plays two games. Two games? Two games for the remainder of the season. Is that acceptable? I say no. He's going to get a good run in the AHL playoffs, right? I, I do think... like. Are the are meaningless games at the end of April? If the, if the Canucks are out of it, is that less important than playing into these important AHL games and into the AHL playoffs? He's gonna play in the AHL playoffs. I know, I know, but I, yeah, I would say yeah because he's getting he's getting the NHL speed. He's playing in the AHL right now, and you know he's playing big minutes, which is great. But now, if these games are as meaningless as you say, which they're not, they're gonna play them hard. We yeah. know that, but. They need to get Jack Rathbone in some NHL games. They need to see that progression. You need to get him in NHL games. Sure, and you need you to think, see actual improvement from what he was last year. Do you think that's year. happening for sure, though? Do you think that's what the games are they're getting him into? How many games are you saying he gets into in the last 14? I want it to be between three to five. See, I'd like it to be more than six. I'd like it to be... Sure. I know. think three to five is actually realistic. It's but, a nice balance between realism and what I'd like to see. Here's, what I, here's the counterpoint to this. The Canucks need to see what Travis Dermott can do. Brad Hunt's playing good hockey right now, and Bruce Boudreaux really likes him. Can you see a night where Dermott and Rathbone are his third pairing? I can't. I can't see a night where Hunt and Rathbone is a third pairing. Like The spot that maybe makes sense is to see Rathbone play for a night where OEL is the night off. So without a third pairing option like Tucker Pullman, I, I, find it, I just find it hard, especially with Dermott coming into this organization, like, organizational wise organizationally wise what am i trying to say here you're on your own here. as wise of the organization <laughs> what 
That's what I'm saying. People know what you're trying to People say. People know what I'm trying to say. Is like this. Remember when I that uh, when Marissa joined us? Oh my on gosh! Stage. On live radio. Oh my goodness! That was that was worse than what that just was. <laughs> but anyways, I just think that the Dermot trade was interesting because it was like to give up a third round pick for that type of player when you could have spent that third round pick on a right D. I don't know if I read so much into that about the Jack Rathbone situation, but I definitely look into it a little bit. It is kind of interesting to think that. Rathbone this year probably could have been playing in the NHL, right? And, you know, results would have come and gone. He would have had good nights. He would have had bad nights. And he would have probably had to work on defensive things. And now he's been in the NHL working on that. But I could have seen a world where he played the whole year in the NHL. I mean, the guy started the out of training camp in the NHL. Let's not forget. Rathbone wasn't an NHL player all season long. He's down there now, I think, with the expectation that he comes to camp next year, does exactly what he did last year, but stays because of the improvements that he made in the AHL this year. So why are you giving a third-round pickup for Dermot unless you really believe in Dermot? And I think we've heard that like, the analytics department in Vancouver is very high on Travis Dermot. So I think they I think they might want to look at Dermot more than they do Rathbone. I think that's what might keep Rathbone into you know, potentially only getting one or two games. But Dermot plays the right side. So I, I would be fine with seeing a Rathbone-Dermot pairing. I, I would be fine, too. I... I'd be interested to see what Bruce Boudreaux thinks about it. Taking out Brad Hunt, the guy that he obviously likes. And listen, Brad Hunt's been playing good hockey, right? Well, like offensively good hockey. Kyle Burroughs is coming back too. And Kyle Burroughs is going to get some games in. Sure. And then you have Tucker Pullman likely coming back here soon. Like that's why I don't think that Rathbone is going to, like until the team is really out of it, I don't think there's a spot for Rathbone, right? Like as and they'll much be out of we, it soon, probably. Sure. But as much as we would all like to see, and I think Canucks fans as a whole want to see Rathbone at the NHL, there just might not be spots unless we see a situation where like when the Canucks are out of it, OEL gets shut down for the year. Maybe they want to just save his body for, for next year and hope that he can you know, stay healthy as long as possible. Like I, I just find the situation to see Rathbone even get into the lineup is such an uphill battle with like Bruce Boudreaux hasn't coached him in a game. He doesn't know what Jack Rathbone looks like in a game. He's heard probably a lot about him in Abbotsford. He's told us that. But he's never been the coach on a bench in a game where Jack Rathbone's skating for him. So I think it's an uphill battle for Rathbone to get in. And you mentioned it with Burroughs potentially coming back soon. Pullman potentially coming back soon. Dermot, I think they really do want to get a look at Dermot. I, I I just find it tough for Rathbone to get in the lineup. As much as I'd love to... Listen, I love the kid. He's he's one of the best guys to deal with personally. And and he's I think he's a heck of an offensive hockey player. I think he's got potential to... You know, be a guy who can play on your power play even at the NHL level and, and add a lot and be a good puck mover. And he's improved his skating. He's improved defensively. There's a lot of really good improvements that I think Jack Rathbone has done to make himself into an NHL player. I just find right now the road, there's just so many roadblocks keeping him from that point. Basically, to make the playoffs at this point, Canucks need to go like 11-2-1. Pretty much. That'll, that'll get him to 96. That's likely to get you in. Not... For sure, but very likely to get you in at 96 points. So 11-2-1, are you bringing in Jack Rathbone for five games if you're Bruce Boudreaux? How, how much longer? And sub-poll question, not a poll question. Actually, sorry, I'll quickly read the results of the poll question, okay. and I'll ask you another question. But right now, 22% of people say 0-2, to 57%, myself included, say 3-5, to five. Hmm. 13% say 6 or more. And 8% say, I'm angry. Tell you the I'm angry crowd. Remember what they were at the start of the year? Uh, they were always 16%. They've People have chilled They've out. Yep. This, te- this team, you know, 
a lot better to watch than it was earlier in the year. That's no question. Sure. No a lot question. less angry people. Yeah. So my sub poll question to you, Chris, how long is it going to be until the Canucks get their next two regulation losses? Like how long? They have mm. St. Louis tomorrow in town. Then they've got a nice little, they got three days off basically. Ooh. They'll still practice. Yeah. I'm thinking Friday we'll get an eight ranks practice. You know how much I love those. I do. Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, Vegas is in town. And right. then they're back on the road just for two games, back to back. And then they're back on the ninth. How long do you think it's going to be till they lose their next two regulation games? I will say, by the time we record on the 10th or the 11th of April, they will be out of it, I think. And that's because, I, I, here's what I'm saying. I think they're going to beat St. Louis tomorrow. I think they'll beat Vegas on Sunday. And then I think they'll lose one of the back-to-backs against Vegas or Arizona, right? And then I think they'll lose to San Jose. You know the way I see it playing out is like, yeah, they're going to lose. Like the the losses will be like Arizona and San Jose. Exactly. Right? That's like those was, will yep. be the, the two that bite them. Or there's... You know, there's another game against Arizona on the 14th of April. Could that be the final loss that hurts them? They play Ottawa two games after that. Could that be the one? Like, it's just, if you just look at the way this team is, and I'm, I don't think I'm breaking news to anyone here, the Canucks just don't play. They don't play well. They play down to these teams. And yep. that's what's going to cost them a playoff spot this year, right? Uh, that is just so fumbling the ball on those layups. Like, yeah. those absolute layup games. And, and I know there's there's no such thing as a layup game. In the NHL, I understand teams play hard. I understand all that, but look, you don't just take down Colorado and then lose to Arizona well, or even whoever. Think of a team that they play a lot that's not very good. In the Anaheim Ducks, they go one, two, and one against Anaheim this year. That's why you're not a playoff team. You go three and one against Anaheim. That's a perfect example of why you can do it. We obviously know that Buffalo two losses to Buffalo this year. Exactly. Like the you, that's the thing that's going to keep them out. Like there are no easy games in the NHL, but there are games that are easier yeah. than others. Canucks haven't had a win against Edmonton this year. They've lost. They haven't had a win against their two games in Detroit. Like Minnesota, they haven't beat in, in the two opportunities so far this year. Like these are the games that's going to cost you. Like maybe Ottawa's a good spot for them because they crushed Ottawa six two. If you remember in uh, in December, start of December, they crushed them back then. But yeah, it's going to be. It'll be interesting. Like, so what were we saying? They need to get three losses, and they're pretty much out three of Three losses, and they're done. Three losses, yeah. I think you're going to be looking at... Yeah, I think the, the Ottawa-Minnesota-Calgary kind of run there uh, around 420. I think that's uh, that's your that's your biscuit there. You got If you can make it through these next few games here, get yourself to kind of look at the last, like, seven and think that you can win five or six of the last seven, I think you're in a good spot, but... That means you got to be really hot over your next six, seven, right? It's it's tough. It's really. Uh, I think that was kind of interesting. We when we looked and saw like how many losses they have left. They basically have two regulation losses left. They have fourteen games left. That's that's not a good place to be in. Not a good spot to be in. You if you're looking at like eleven wins out of the last eleven wins out of the last uh, fourteen, that'll get you to ninety five points, and that doesn't guarantee that you're getting in. Okay, Pretty enough dark, playoff talk. Dark little note there, the way yeah, it ends. But, it that, but it's the truth. It's the facts right there, right? Like, You're right. We know we've all had hope for the playoffs, right? We all hope that this team can do the playoffs, but they need to win 11 of their final 14, which is doable. 
Stranger things have happened. Sure. Stranger things have happened. But damn. That's a lot. Like, I don't know. It's kind of just hitting me now how hard it is. Because like, I've, I've still been holding out hope a little bit. But 11 of their last 14. Hope. Sorry, listeners. But here, here comes the facts. Okay. Connor Garland. This is someone we talked about on the way here. Because the analytics suggest that he's playing above his current value. He's somebody that's been brought up in trade discussions before with the LA Kings being the team that's most notably uh, been targeting him. You get the Kings involved. You want to trade with the Kings, boy, especially if you're the Canucks. Yeah, because the right D's. The right right, D's. The right D's that they have. And and that's kind of my take on the situation is I think Connor Garland's good, but I also think if you think JT Miller's great and you're trying to trade him, and I completely understand it. Like, I think I'm still in, in the camp of trading JT Miller before I trade Connor Garland solely based off what you're getting in return. Well, Friedman uh, coming out age. saying 8.5. Maybe that should be on the outline. There yeah, too. exactly. Age, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, like you just alluded to, Elliot Friedman saying it's going to be comparable to Mika Zibanejad. Um, and, you know, obviously there's the Thomas Hurdle contract in San Jose that is going to be looked at as kind of the starting point for those negotiations, at least by JT Miller's camp. So I understand like Miller's probably the guy that you trade before Connor Garland. Uh, and even you threw Brock Besser's name in there uh, as well. But I understand the value in trading Connor Garland. And I'm starting to wonder if it's maybe just a symptom of there's not a great fit in Vancouver, but he still has value that you could extract. And instead of hoping that he bounces back next year and you know, that he's going to be happy and wanting to play here for a long time, the the five years that are on his contract, if you just flip him and actually get a, get some right defense help, I think that's a more pressing need for this team is getting some help sure. on right D. Yeah. And I mean, if you're getting, if you are able to get a really good right D prospect and maybe some other pieces, I'm definitely opening to listening to what you can get for Connor Garland. It's not like I shut the door. I just think that I do think that Connor Garland is going to provide more value than his contract does. And he's locked up for four more years after this year. And, and players like that, just to add to your point a bit, players like that are the players you need to be a good competitive cup winning team. Yes. You absolutely. need players batting above their weight class. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to to find a guy who makes just under 5 million. Cause that's like a different realm for, for top six players, like if you're talking about a top six player who makes seven million, that's a very different conversation than a Connor Garland making four point nine five. Like it's a very different, just like worth, right? It's not like a guy who needs to be a top line player for you. At his value, he can be a second line winger. That's what a second line winger should be making on your team. Like a play above his value, but making under five. Heck yeah, that's a good spot to have in your top six. So with Garland and me, that's what makes this the trade with Connor Garland so so confusing from my point of view of like rating it and looking at potential trade offers. Like what do other teams around the NHL value four more years on his contract at? Cause I think it's a, I think it's a bonus. I think you're getting better value because of that contract. He's not on an expiring deal. He's not a rental. He's not a, a rental plus one. Like this is four more years. I think that adds value to his return. So what I would need to see as a return is not just the right D prospect. Right, it needs to be the right D prospect, maybe another player who can you know potentially move into your bottom six and a pick. Like that's that's what I'm looking at for a return for Connor Garland because I don't think it can just be a prospect and a pick for him. Like my my expectation for a return if Garland is traded is very high. It's would it be wild to say that it's as high as Brock Besser? I don't know because I don't know what the four years added onto his contract is worth. 
is he worth as much as Brock Besser is on the market? Because Besser's got a lot of question marks about what his QO, what his next contract's going to be. Is he going to live up to that? Yeah. With Connor Garland, I think you feel that you're that he is going to live up to the contract. He's a good player. He's putting up points at five on five more than Brock. Where's the value at between those two? That's an interesting way to look at it into the offseason here. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And there's, those are a lot of questions that are, I guess, just going to get answered kind of as what we do go you along. Think? Who do you think is more valuable in the trade market because of their, their contract situations? I think Connor Garland. You think so? Yeah. And if you're asking me because of their contract situation specifically, like the qualifying gen- offer. Yeah, that, including that into it. I just think in general, course. like you would think Brock Besser would be worth more. But he does. He's not locked down for four years under five. Yeah, I I understand that Connor Garland hasn't done it before, but I think there's a real sense just talking to executives around the league and just people I've talked to around the league that Connor Garland. Like I know there's a there's some Canucks fans that have this hope, or sorry, excuse me, Brock Besser. There's some Canucks fans that have this hope that Brock Besser is still going to be a forty goal scorer. That is not what I'm hearing around the league. Like, and and I understand teams obviously want to. Uh, undermine Bester's value as much as they can, but how how much longer are you going to wait till he scores forty? Right, because around the league he's viewed as a very expensive twenty five to thirty two tops goal scorer. Like tops, that's what yeah. that's what teams look at him as. It's not this player that could bl- could flourish into a forty goal scorer like he once was. And when I say like he once was, I mean like he was viewed as becoming uh, and that he could score 40 one day. He's not viewed that way anymore. And I know the rookie season set expectations sky high for Brock Besser, but like the guy's not, I don't want to use the term running out of time because I still think Brock Besser is a very good player. 24, yeah. 24, still younger than Connor Garland, but I don't think he's ever just turned 25. Yeah. I don't think he's ever going to be a 40 goal scorer. Now, I think Connor Garland's still going to produce less for you than Brock Besser, but you're also paying Connor Garland less, right? Like that's where the that's where the contract then comes into it because yeah, you're getting less output. And from who's Garland. driving play better between the two? Like exactly. of moving the puck in the right direction. Yep. I always try and I feel like I say that a lot. I hope that's just I hope people understand I'm doing like a very simple version of like of possession numbers. Like he drives play in the right direction more than Brock Besser does. I think. Yeah. He doesn't have the shot like Besser, and I don't think he fits into a power play like Brock Besser. But we also haven't seen Connor Garland get a look on a power play. How much do we want movement on the power play? That's what Connor Garland would bring if he was on the first unit. And the other thing with Brock Besser, to get to 40 goals, Brock Besser needs to score on the power play like he did in his rookie season, right? Like that that is gonna be if we ever see Brock Besser get to 40 goals, he's gotta he's gotta score even better than he did in his rookie season for power play goals, because he has 10 power play goals this season. Does it like I think it's a little bit worrisome that Brock Besser only has nine goals at even strength this year. Vasily yeah. Pod Colson has more goals than Brock Besser at even strength this year, right? That puts it into perspective, doesn't it? I think it, I think it does. And I think that's that's another reason where it's like he's getting all these opportunities in that front. Vasily Pod Colson's built for the net front. Maybe he can. That's why I like I I think that there's some serious like I don't know which way the Canucks are going to go this year, and I think a lot of it is going to come to value, but. Some of these big name forwards that people have been have loved for years now, they are going to get. Some of them are going to get moved, man. Exactly. They okay. have to because they just have to. You brought it up. Like, look at LA in their right D. Look at the Canucks where they need. It's going to be fit interesting. There. Yeah, there's a fit there. Okay, quickly before we get to your prospect report, Chris, the GM meetings have just concluded in Florida today. The two days that they spent in G, in the GM meetings, all thirty two. Uh, general managers there 
lot of new faces because they haven't met for 24 months because uh, the world was kind of put on pause. Mm-hmm. The NHL was put on pause, obviously. Um, so Patrick Alvin, this is his first GM meeting. So uh, it'll be interesting to hear how he enjoyed that if we ever get a chance to talk to it's him. It's 3.55 right now, Florida time. How many cocktails has Frank Valley had by now, do you think? <laughs> I don't know. He, he's still active in our group chat. So he's... Oh, yeah, uh, not for long. <laughs> All right. So this is kind of what happened on day one. Day one, the things on the agenda were the officiating. Uh, George Perro spoke uh, from the Department of Player Safety. Obviously, there was a presentation from the NHL alumni, and there was a panel conversation with Kim Davis uh, and Respect Group founder Sheldon Kennedy, along with GMs, about abuse, bullying, and discrimination in the game. Uh, officiating dominated the discourse on day one, Chris. Uh, senior vice president and director of officiating Stephen Walker making his usual presentation and general update on officiating, addressing any potential concerns and walking GMs through the evaluation process from games. Now, the NHL officiating has been under a lot of scrutiny lately. Lately, there's been a lot of missed calls that have been kind of put had the spotlight put on them. Uh, obviously, there was that one against Austin Matthews where he was hooked. Uh, there was the Gabriel Landeskog one. There's been fines handed out all that sort of stuff. The GMs were reminded that calls and non-calls are logged from every game and missed calls are addressed directly with the officials involved in the game. So the message from the league is that there's not a lack of accountability here. Sure. I'd st- I'm still very firmly in the camp that I would love to have officials made available for post-game media. Yeah, I don't really care for that. I know it's a union and they'll never do that, but... Yeah, I'm a union guy. You know, I don't really... You know. Sure, but I think I think it'd be great. As a, as a reporter who would ask those questions, I think that'd be beneficial. Not for the officials or the league, probably. Well, maybe for the league. I like don't that care either way. I, I really don't care either way if the officials come out and speak after or not. I just think it's like, what are you, what are you gaining that much from them? I'm sure they know that... They know when they blow a call, man. Like, it's... Just, The question I have is like, what do you think is better? What's a better option? Being able to review everything or review nothing? Review everything. Review everything. Get it right. Like this, but no, but this offside. Look, well, your shoelace crossed the line. Exactly. That stuff. I don't know about all that. I agree with you. I agree with you. I totally agree that. Oh yeah, we got to make sure this offside is pinpoint and pull back a goal. Yeah. that I don't agree with. I, I think that is a little extreme. Uh, I, I know it's it's good that they have the penalty in place uh, if you get it wrong sort of thing. But, man, like, these missed calls with headshots and stuff. You can't tell me that there shouldn't be any sort of extra punishment if a, if a call is missed and it involves a shot to the head. Like, you can't say you care about players and concussions and, yeah, we're right on top of the CTE thing. We're going to make sure our players are kept safe. And then just hits the head. It's like, oh, keep your head up, kid. Like, you can't you can't have a league that's having that messaging while also saying, yeah, we care about our players and we're going to be on top of this concussion thing. I think that the, the thing that pisses me off is like, oh, but that's not a challengeable play. And like yeah. that, that's the worst part yeah, it's about like, it. Oh, well, this is blatantly wrong. Everybody in the stands, everybody behind the bench saw it. The officials looked up at the Jumbotron and saw it as well, but it's not reviewable. That's so let's drop go. the puck. That, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think that there should be like a, a certain degree to some point, And this isn't like the exact way I would finalize it, but have the coaches have a challenge flag like it is. And, you know, it doesn't even need to be a flag yes. or anything like it is in the NFL, but let that challenge flag be able to challenge everything anything yeah you know like when we saw a play the other day i forget which canucks game it was it might have even been dallas the most recent one but a puck's up in the air and he gets hit by a player and it goes over the glass yeah 
And it's like, oh, but it looked like it tipped off the glass, but it didn't. That should be the play where the coach can throw the flag and be like, no, that's a penalty. He played it out. Or you brought up the headshot, like a headshot that gets missed or a headshot that gets called. It isn't like that should be the time where the coach just has a challenge and it doesn't matter if it's challengeable or not. Because yeah. it should be challengeable because of that situation. Yeah, it coach. should be challengeable because you're a professional sports league that's trying to get fans engaged. And get the calls right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't... I, I think the only argument against it and is, I'll get, is, oh, well, you're going to delay the games even longer. Sure, but you know what? It, it pisses people off even more when they don't You want to get the call right. right. Exactly. And I understand, like, refs have it hard, man. Don't get me wrong. I, I umpired one game when I was a kid, and I, hate, I was so bad at it. I, I hated it. I umped one game and I, I hated every second of it. I couldn't imagine what it is like for being a refs and the parents out there that give these teenage refs a hard time. That's the scum of the earth. These people that are screaming at these teenage kids refereeing their 10 year olds games, scum of the earth, the people yelling at these refs. So like, I, I understand that referees have it hard. Also understand that they get booed every single game for missing calls and listen, calls are going to be missed, but I think that there's a better way than they're than they're working on it right now. But like, I also hear a lot of soccer fans uh, complaining about uh, about VAR. the video reviews. VAR in, in soccer it ruins a lot of things too. And I like, I don't know. I think there needs to be because I I want reviews. I want the right calls. But it it does drive me insane that it's like these offsides where a guy like comes in and then the puck's moved around for another minute and they score, but it's challenged because is blade came off the ice yeah, at exactly. the right time or it wasn't hanging And I mean, exactly. technically, they got rid of that rule where the skate has right. to be touching okay. the ice. You know what I'm saying? I know Still. what you're saying. I just want to clarify for a listener before you get a person on Twitter rushing to their phone to Someone uh, on the reviews you. here. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I can... I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know the answer. Right? Yeah. I don't know the answer, but I think there's a better answer, and there's probably smarter people around officiating that can make this decision better yeah. than I can. Okay. The other thing, uh, the cap is going up. Cap is going up by a million to eighty-two point five million starting in the twenty twenty-two twenty-three season. Uh, Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff talking about how the first six cocktails deep right now. The first meaningful increase will be in twenty twenty-five twenty-six. Uh, aside from the scheduled one million increases, until then. The LTIR thing is the last thing that was brought up uh, at the meetings. Yeah, what's Other going than on the here? World, World Cup of Hockey. I'll get to that in a second. But the LTIR thing. Also, there's a full recap of this at CanucksArmy.com. Please go read it, folks. Uh, we, we like when you read Canucks Army. It helps us a lot. So the LTIR thing, and more specifically, it's usage as a cap circumvention tool for teams to get healthy bodies into their playoff lineup where the salary cap doesn't actually apply. Been a hot-button topic, right? We've heard a lot of GMs talk about it Uh it did not sit well with teams, although it was hilarious for us. It did not sit well with teams when the Tampa Bay Lightning in their parade were wearing $18 million over the cap uh, shirts and yeah. kind of <laughs> taunting everybody. I don't think that sat well uh, with the GMs. So it's been a hot-button topic, but this was also brought up on Hockey Night in Canada, is that this is a issue that needs to be bargained with the players. It can't just be the GMs meeting. So the GMs basically decided to put postpone this and push it push it down the line until july because it's not a huge issue just yet chris but i think a lot of uh alarm bells went off when people saw or or the gms saw mark stone uh head to ltir for the vegas golden knights uh and you know the timeline looks like he'll be back just in time for playoffs but that's if vegas even makes the playoffs but regardless um this is what oilers gm ken holland had to say 
The feeling is that it hasn't been a massive issue just yet, but enough people in there feel we should continue excuse me, to monitor it. We're going to further discuss the managers' meetings in July in Montreal at the draft. You're in a salary cap world. You get into the playoffs. An injury can't be an opportunity to build your team. Again, Oilers GM Ken Holland, who's been in the league. Yeah, this whole I've heard like the idea of like a luxury tax during regular season, then hard cap into the playoffs. Like I like that idea. Uh, I, I just find it like it's hard because obviously, if you're an injured player, you'd like to have a little more salary cap to to play with, but. The way that it's been turning lately, it is it is so true that like I think the team that you build on day one is the team that you want going into the playoffs. It shouldn't be the team that you build on day one plus all these players you're able to add around the deadline because you have twelve million in injuries. Like it, there are there are definitely some loopholes that are being abused. I think by NHL teams around the league, and they need to find a way to fix that. But but to me, like. A legitimate injury should be able to you should be able to fill that cap space. So it's it's hard for me to figure out exactly what uh, what the best bet it's is. It's very again. difficult. This it's is a, this difficult. is officiating all over again. I don't know, but it's not working. Yeah, twenty twenty four World Cup of Hockey. No team North America and no team Europe. Uh, countries only at the twenty twenty four World Cup of Hockey. The NHLPA and the league have been meeting since February to discuss. Uh, what that tournament is going to look like. Uh, but yes, no team North America and no team Europe. Hopefully it's good hockey. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I'm, I'm excited for it regardless. Right. Uh, and then I should also mention nothing was brought up about the recapture penalty that's only affected the Vancouver Canucks at the GM meetings. Chris, that's all I got on the GM meetings. Your prospect report, your boy, he's going back to school. Aiden McDonough goes back to Northeastern University the weekend you're on vacation, I'm stuck trying to write about Aiden McDonough. I think I did a pretty good job. Pat myself on the back uh, a little bit there. You're the prospect guy, right? I am the prospect guy. But Aiden McDonough. Yep. Uh, he's heading back for a senior year. You know, we've been kind of saying that was the expectation that we had going into it. It would have been... Uh, the Canucks made a push, right? From what I heard, they sent... Uh, was it Chris Higgins, I believe, was one of the guys who went down to to go watch that final play. I believe that... Uh, mentioned that on the uh, broadcast, watching... Uh, Jeez, oh, I forget the the Nesson. That's it. The Boston uh, broadcast, and you know the Canucks sent someone there. Apparently, he had conversations with Patrick Alvin as well. Uh, good kid. I think he's going to return, and I, I think he's going to be the captain of Northeastern. It makes sense for him to be the captain, and he scored like crazy. It was good to see the the end of the year that he had. He scored some massive goals for Northeastern. Not like all the way up into that final game where they were eliminated. He scores the goal to tie the game. I just, I, I honestly thought. I just looked at it this way. Like he scored 25 goals. He carried his team offensively. No one was even close to him in 25. Well, what more does he have to prove in NCAA? Like I'm curious. And and I guess for him, it was more about development. Like it wasn't about proving anything in the NCAA. He just did that Scored 25 goals. So like, what does he want to prove that he can be a 30 goal scorer? I I think a lot of this was about development. And he found that Northeastern was going to be the best place for him to develop into a pro on the Canucks hour on sports at six fifty. Thomas Drance. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drance. Said that he thinks that the Canucks believe that McDonough made the wrong decision. Uh, and, you know, not in a bad, like, headline way, in the sense of they think it would have been better for his development to come to pro hockey. So similar, actually, to kind of what you're saying right now. Yeah. I, I think that there could have been... Listen, when you go pro, you get a different level of coaching around you than you do in the NCAA. Northeastern's a great program. 
and, and it's a great place to develop. But if he were to come to Vancouver and be, you know, have summer workouts here in Vancouver with a ton of NHL players, obviously he's going to go home. He's going to have workouts. He's going to be with probably with Jack Rathbone and a lot of his off season workouts again. Hopefully he can work on his skating, but a little bit disappointed that he's not going pro, but you know, it'll be good. He'll join the team next year. I, I have all these people worried about him not signing. I don't think that's going to be that big of a problem. I think McDonough's going to sign with the Canucks at the end of next year. And He'll join the AHL next year, maybe the NHL. We'll see how he develops, how he plays next year in NCAA and, and how their team goes on a run. There hasn't been a decision yet on Devin Levi, but sounds like he's leaning towards going back to school again. So it's like, I don't know. Northeastern's not going to have as good as a team, but they're going to have one really good score and one ridiculously good goaltender. So they'll probably have another good team next year and likely be in the playoffs again for the NCAA. So McDonough, I expect him to wear the C next year for, for Northeastern and Let's hope he can take another step in the right direction and this development path that he's choosing, right? Because the Vancouver Canucks, they wanted to choose for him to go pro. That's what they think the best development path obviously is for him. He's not choosing what the Vancouver Canucks believe is the best development path if he didn't want to come sign here. But he's also stressed that they've been extremely respectful and helpful, which is very similar to what we heard from Jack Rathbone when he was dealt with the Canucks organization. Obviously, he was dealing with Judd Brackett a little bit more, but he was also dealing with Ryan Johnson, also dealing with Chris Higgins, spoke uh, spoke very highly about both of those guys uh, and their support for his decision. Aiden McDonough was on Donnie and Dolly, the team on check, and had this to say when Dolly Wall flat out asked him uh, if the plan is still to sign with the Canucks. He said, it is. I've only played for a few teams my whole life. I've been a loyal person my whole life. I stayed at prep school for years when I could have left, you know, really loyal to the team that drafted me, especially taking me in the seventh round. They've treated me unbelievable. Went further to talk about how it's a great spot, uh, believes in management's vision uh, and the way they want to deal with their prospects. And he's really excited for the vision. Also mentioned that his best friend, Jack Rathbone, is part of the organization and has nothing but unbelievable things to say about everyone in Vancouver and in Abbotsford. I heard that uh, Jack Rathbone, he's trying to sell him on the mountains out there in Abbotsford, too. Is that what you heard? That's what I heard from Jack, yeah. From Jack. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, that's just what I, that's what I heard. <laughs> okay. Um, way to keep your source hidden. Great journalism right there. <laughs> Okay, we'll close it out there. Uh, do you have anything else to add to a prospect reporter? We all done. Well, here? hey, come out to Abbotsford tonight or listen to uh, uh, Sportsnet 650. I'm going to be on the broadcast. That was so Canadian. You were like, oh, hey. Well, come by. I'm, I'm on the broadcast. Me and Brandon Assel, we're, we're going to be ripping it up. On uh, He's doing play-by-play. I'm doing color. Stoked for it. It's going to be good. 7 o'clock tonight on 650. First AHL game broadcasted on Sportsnet 650. Me and Brandon, we're going to have some fun That's tonight. awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. We, t- we were talking to say we're going to put a put a good showing on today. Give John and John shaking in their boots. <laughs> I love how you skip Hershey and Batch and just go immediately to John and John. We're going TV, bud. Straight to the TV right there. <laughs> From the first broadcast, the first AHL broadcast on 650 all the way to TV. Just like that. You know who might be out in uh, Abbotsford tonight too? Lawrence Gilman. Oh, wow. The uh, as I'm just getting the notes here sent to me for the game. Senior vice president of the Marlies. Wow. Overseeing okay. the HL team, Gilman over there. You should actually tweet that like immediately if you have that information. Uh, while you do that, I'll close it out. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.